Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself and uh, my beautiful guest, Josh Hill of Fansetter.com, Felina for Cheryl Watson, of Culturist.com, uh, goes with the latest in Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire news. And of course, season eight being a few weeks away, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Cheryl's sick, by the way, if you uh, if you guys are wondering. But uh, Josh is gamely filled in. Thank you, I Josh. Have. Yes. Glad to be here. And hello, everybody. <laughs> Sue and Kenny. Uh, Margaret. T. Christian. Everybody. T. The whole gang's here. Everybody. Where's Hi. Julie, though? Julie. Oh, there's Julie. Good morning, all. There she is. I was like, this isn't right. If Julie doesn't say hello, the show cannot go on. You really can't. We'll just sit here until it happens. Let's let's jump into it, though. Uh, Starting with. So, frankly, these days, things are coming in so fast. I can barely... I'm I'm serious. Like, everybody's releasing their coverage at the same time. I think it's stupid. Like, they're all shooting themselves in the foot because no one coverage is going to get, like, is going to dominate the news cycle. But we're going to hit some of the highlights of the past week. Mm -hmm. Starting with... Um, the official poster yep. for Game of Thrones Season 8, or the key art. Let's take a look at that bad boy, shall we? Okay, <laughs> it'll happen. Oh, very cool. Ooh, it's an Iron Throne, but it's also got the eyes of a dragon. What do you think, Josh? Ah, oh, I'm into it. Um, I don't know. Like, I think we had this conversation about another season. Uh, about like, the, the Leading into, I think it was The Faces. Which season was that? Six. Six? I mean, like, I get it. Like, what... I'm excited for the show already. <laughs> so this poster's already going to do it for me. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, actually, like, I wonder why you even, like, really have a TV poster. It's not like you can, like, put it up outside of a Cineplex or something. Yeah. But um, I like it. It's fun. I think it's a little dorky, honest to God. What about it makes it dorky? Because it's a living chair. It's got, like, a gimmick. It's like, this is the Iron Throne, or is it? It's like a Where's Waldo magic oh. eye kind of thing. You look at it. I needed, like, a Jim Henson puppet chair. That's what I needed. <laughs> Just like, a total plot twist in season eight. The Iron Throne was like planning the, everything all along. <laughs> Kermit. I mean, into that. Yeah. Let's do it. Like for contrast, like we got the season two poster here. Mm-hmm. I, think, I don't know. I mean, like I'm complaining, I'm bitching, but I like the simplicity of that. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's no trick, right? It's not like if you look closely, the crowd is actually a smile. Like, no, just a crown and it's holding up. It could be a ring. One ring to rule them all. <laughs> it could be a ring. You're right. But that's a very large ring. It's a hand-holding. I don't know. These posters, they have to encompass the overall theme of the season, do they not? They do. So, like, this, obviously, the last season, the biggest question is who's going to sit on the Iron Throne. Of course. So you can't have a season eight poster where it's like, and here's Sam on the wall. Like, that's not going to fly. <laughs> I would I dig it, though. Be, it'd, be, it'd be intriguing. I would dig it, too. But also, you've got to play ball a little bit when it comes to marketing. Of course. I know. Like, I mean, I'm nitpicking. I'm not a graphic designer. But I, I think... I think it's fun to talk about. I also like uh, the season five poster here of just kind of mm-hmm. a mysterious Tyrion looking at a, a dragon in the mist. I like that too. So I give the poster about a, uh, I don't know, a C plus. Are there mm-hmm. any uh, comments there? That uh, yeah, Kenny in? says at least the eyes aren't blue, which I believe is an implication Thank of God, White yes. Walker. But. Yeah, that is Drogon, uh, not v- uh, dead zombie Viserion dragon. There we go. Maybe the dragon, in a way, is the Iron Throne, because whoever wields it has the power. It's true. It's the metaphor. Varys's metaphor was the sword from the book that we talked about. Who yields the sword? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, um, yeah, it was a whole (laughs) complicated thing. It's a uh, chair. I'm not going to look too, I'm not not reading too deep into a chair. You can't read into a chair. It's Game of Thrones. End of story. Fair enough. Like, I'm pleased. 
I like it here. Moving on. Um, did you happen to catch Amelia Clark's uh, New Yorker piece this week? I did. And it was very illuminating. It was pretty intense, right? Very intense. So That's understating it. If people didn't um, read this or didn't find out about it, Amelia Clark wrote a, um, an article for the New Yorker where she recounted kind of her time um, filming Game of Thrones and had some pretty surprising revelations about it. It ends mm-hmm. up that right before season one was to air, Amelia Clark suffered um, a stroke, basically, when she was in the gym. She, like, dragged herself to the bathroom. She puked. She got rushed to the hospital. They have to operate by putting, like, a, like a wire up her leg to her brain. Hmm. It's horrible. Um, you know, recovery period, she suffers from aphasia, which is where you kind of, you can't speak. Mm-hmm. Like, you just speak nonsense to someone. It's like a brain disorder. And she's going through this all throughout filming the second season of the show. Yeah. And, um, and then after season three, it happens again when another aneurysm she had in the back of her head, um, they tell her it's going to burst any minute. So she has to go in to have like straight up proper brain surgery where they literally crack her skull open, replace it with titanium, mm-hmm. go, go in there, get rid of the aneurysm. And uh, again, horrible recovery period, just awful. Like I, I was pretty st- struck by this. Yeah, I mean, it's like extremely hardcore, which is again being very light about it. Because I mean, this brain surgery—like she like almost died twice. Yeah, the star of one of the biggest television shows at the time. Like, imagine an alternate reality where that happens. Like, this is just insane. And how this never got out is my other question. Yeah, because I was like, wondering about that. How did they? How, I mean, how did she keep that under wraps? Not even that, just like in this day and age where information is spread and leaked out so easily. And it's like, you don't want something. It's so hard to keep a secret in, mm-hmm. this, in this day and age. The fact that one of the most popular actresses in the world, which is on one of the most well-known shows mm-hmm. in the universe, had almost died twice and had to have brain surgery. The fact that that didn't get out is phenomenal to me. Like, I had nothing to say to that other than just, Wow. Like, holy cow. I mean, to, to be fair, I, I, it was earlier in the show's life when it wasn't quite But still, the fact that that wasn't, like, wedged into, like, fun facts to know about Game of Thrones. And it's like, <laughs> she wrote it, like, she's telling it. And the fact that she got to tell us is cool. Which it's, is great. I mean, it's yeah, not like really TMZ's, is. like, breaking news. Amelia Clark. Apparently there was a National Enquirer story around the time of, like, of, of a second aneurysm, I think, second surgery. But, you know... It's an Inquirer piece. No one paid attention to it. It, it, it. it definitely didn't get out. It wasn't widely reported. No. I, I will say, if like it might have been if it was like three years later, um, if it had gotten out and people jumped on it. But it wasn't. And honestly, that's kind of encouraging that she was able to have that level of anonymity, um, even though she was a big, famous person. And yeah, I, I loved the article. It was, I recommend reading it if you haven't. Very intense, very heartfelt, very uh, personal. And it was the purpose of it was all to lead up to that the fact that she has a charity called Same You, which helps people recover from stroke and mm-hmm. brain injury. Yeah. The comments, people are very shocked by all of this and glad. But it's like, yeah. it's the same sentiment. Like, how did this not get out? When the show is so heavily covered from every single angle. I mean, you run a Game of Thrones website. Like, there's websites dedicated to this show. And there are ce- the celebrity culture that we live in, reality television, the e-news, all this kind of stuff. The fact that this didn't get out is just incredible to me. I think it's, I, it's not a bad thing. Like the fact no, that it's a good thing. I'm happy. I'm proud that somehow this managed to stay under wraps, like, and that she got to tell the story. It wasn't exactly. Yeah. It was she, like, she, she got to control the way it's going to get out. Yeah. 
And then after she gets hindsight on it, it can just talk about like, it. I mean, it's a textbook Inquirer story. Like, Game of Thrones star, near death. Like, and just like, while well, you maybe would look at it and be like, nah. Not right, the to little it. vampire bat baby. Or is that like World News Today or something that's different? It's not Inquirer. Vampire, same thing. That boy is something else. It's but the same it, thing. It, 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 It's the same Whatever. Ball, but like, yeah, yeah it's, and thank God she's all right, too. Like, it's yeah, incredible. I mean, all right. Because there's, there's multiple layers to this. I'm obsessing over the fact that it didn't get out. Because I just think these things get out all the time, which I'm completely glossing over the fact that she almost died twice and she's completely, they cracked her head open and performed brain surgery. That's incredible. And I mean, and she's so buoyant and bubbly and kind of like goofy in interviews too, which impresses me. And she went back to work like on Game of Thrones. Look at Kit Harrington. You're like, there's a guy who may, perhaps underwent brain surgery and said about it. Like Amelia Clark, you look at her. She's always so kind of effervescent and fun. Yeah. Like I would have never thought. No, like I skin my knee and I don't want to go to work the next day. She's <laughs> brain surgery and she's back on the, something that is everybody's going to watch. Like you can't be off your game. Like, right. So anyway, at the end of that, she says, uh, there's something gratifying and beyond lucky about coming to the end of Thrones. I'm so happy to be here to see the end of this story and the beginning of whatever comes next. So kudos to you, Amelia Clark. <laughs> Amy Dodd says she's the mother of dragons. So there you go. Mother of dragons. There you go. She's also watching from Liverpool, United Kingdom. So hello. Excellent. Julie wants to be. Uh, Amelia Clark when she grows up. So, don't we all? Don't I kind of do too. Julie? Yeah. You were once, don't you? Have the wig? It was I Halloween think, or something. I, I think it's still um, in the closet. It's got to make a comeback. Probably for the last no. season. <laughs> all right. So I have. A, okay. Here's another topic for you, okay. Josh. Um, Game of Thrones is ending. Mm-hmm. Over. By the way, news came in like just today. The prequel show got five new regular cast members. Okay. That's what you're saying. That that prequel show is going to be, like, the cast is going to be as big as Game of Thrones, it's looking like. Mm-hmm. Like, we already know there were, like, eight people, plus Naomi Watts, plus my workers, and now five others. That's a big cast for any show. <sighs> and I'm, I'm glad they're committing to, if you really want to follow up Game of Thrones and you want to, like, have an honest-to-God successor, yeah. you can't, like, have a show with, like, a five-member core cast. You've got to go big. And, uh, you know, loser win i'm glad they're swinging for it Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to seeing what what happens there but also there are a lot of other shows that are going to come out in the wake of game of thrones that are going to try to you know take the throne basically get a hold of the genre crown (laughs) and this is an interesting wrinkle there's an interview with a game of thrones actor um, named ian Beatty who played Marin Trant, you might remember him as the guy that uh, Arya gouged remember. his eyes out. I a thousand percent don't remember who that is. Not even that. Where Arya gouged his eyes out? I remember the the eyes gouging out, but I remember the <laughs> eyes getting gouged out. I didn't. I didn't really put a face to that moment. No, right, fair enough. He he played a king's card night. He beat Sansa for Joffrey when he asked. But he's um, on Game of Thrones. Is the moral of the story? He died. He well, died he pretty bad. Yes. He's part of the mythology. Yes, he he was on Game of Thrones. Not anymore. Anyway, he said he was auditioning for another show at a Comic-Con he was attending, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't name the show. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but he wouldn't name it. And basically said that at the bottom there on the casting call, there was a line that said, no Game of Thrones actors. Oh. And talking about, I'm thinking, there's some pretty good actors on Game of Thrones. What the heck? But they did not want any form of brand recognition. That's to do with the identity of the show. This is obviously a show that sees itself as a Game of Thrones type show. So they obviously don't want any crossover whatsoever, which is fair enough. I won't be watching it, but okay. I love that last part. By well, the way. Yeah, that's, he's not salty at all. <laughs> I won't okay. be watching this show that didn't hire me, but it's okay. My, my my two points here are: first of all, pretty sure this show is The Witcher, which mm. Netflix is making. 
because you said it was based on a video game and they're making it now and it's for Netflix or Amazon. You narrow it down. It's got to be The Witcher. I was not a fan of it when we talked about it in our Game of Thrones successor show a while back. You were not? No. Why not? Well, I, I should maybe back off that a little bit. You because don't like Henry the, Cavill? No, at the time I was like, this is trying too hard. This is so on the nose trying to be a Game of Thrones successor. I remember distinctly because yeah. you battled me on that and you're like, but this is a video game and a book. I'm like, no, this is like I think the book started coming out before A Song of Ice and Fire even. That was your argument. Like early, early 90s. You were probably mostly right and I was probably mostly wrong. But this now kind of reinforces your point even more that where I'm sitting here being like, this is just unapologetically trying to be a Game of Thrones. They're going out of their way to not employ people who were on Game of Thrones. Even even people that I don't remember. Like people that I don't remember were on the show. They're like, no, if you were (laughs) in any way associated with the game, if you were walking past the set when they were filming this episode, you were completely disqualified from being on this show. Like, that's my question to you. What sense, if any, does that make? Is, is that a good idea? Is that justifiable to be like, we want to carve our, our, our own identity as a, you know, a show that's being made in the wake of Game of Thrones. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's not a Game of Thrones ripoff, but it is, it owes its existence to Game of Thrones success because Game of Thrones has kind of rejuvenated this fantasy space now. Um, do you buy the justifications for why someone would not allow Game of Thrones actors to be on their new fantasy show? Uh, I mean, I softly buy it. Like it's, I get what they're doing and it's, I respect it. Like they don't want, they want to distance themselves from Game of Thrones. That's fine. If some notable actor from Game of Thrones, some notable actor who happened to also work on Game of Thrones mm-hmm. wants to be on this show, there might be some bend. But also, you're not getting Kit Harrington rolling up being like, ooh, I'm going to be on The Witcher, assuming I mean, it's that show. I mean, probably not, but like, I don't know, like Charles Dance, who played Tywin Lannister, comes up to you and says, like, I want to be in your show. Too iconic. What are you going to say? No? Yeah, that's too iconic. I would say no to that. I think really? that there's levels. I think the guy who gets his eyes gouged out by Arya, that's mm-hmm. his, we're being a little too harsh. Maybe give him like a part if he wants a part. <laughs> Charles Dance rolls up? Like, no. He's iconic. He is directly tied to Game of Thrones. He is in the show. I have it seared into my mind that he was this character. He can't be on another show. He can't be on a Game of Thrones-esque show because that's too much of a ripoff. If we're talking about some low-level guy who, you know, was in episode three, season Mm -hmm. four or whatever, and was on screen for a total of five seconds and had no lines whatsoever, you turn him away at the door, I think we're being a little too harsh. But I think there's levels. Okay, let's see. I I don't know. Like, I feel like... This means that, like, I don't know, Harrison Ford's in Star Wars. He can't be in any other If Harrison know, Ford showed up in Star Trek, he can show up in blockbusters. Because Indiana Jones so and, Indiana and Han Jones, Solo are the same But he can't be in people. Star Trek, you're saying. I mean, it would be weird. I'm not saying he can. He can do whatever he wants to do. But well, it obviously. would be notable. Okay? The okay. nerd culture would be like, Han Solo's on Star Trek. This is not right. He cannot walk from the Millennium Falcon onto the USS Enterprise. This does not work. So there, you have a problem there where you're like, you can't have right. Tywin on this show. Like, what are we doing here? It's what a- about like action heroes like Schwarzenegger or Stallone or even like Keanu Reeves with John Wick and the Matrix who are like kind of in the same sort of movies all the time. Huh. But, uh, and they all are. John Wick is a spirit. John Wick and, and the Matrix share a cinematic universe. We'll get into that in a Do they time. really? I didn't they know do. that. that is, they're exactly in the same universe. But so, because there's been multiple incarnations of the Matrix. There's been more than one. <laughs> the one. There's been more than one. You're Neo. chasing that rabbit so, down that hole. Oh, we'll, we'll go down that now. rabbit hole. But, I mean, I think there's a difference between action movies. There's a difference when you, you have a fandom behind something. Because John Wick has a fandom, but it's like a cool action movie, like a throwback to the 90s. Like, okay. you know, uh, 
Nicolas Cage is in The Rock, and he's in Con Air, a lot of and he's in all of these action movies. Magic Man. Yeah, it, well, I mean, that's not really an action movie. <laughs> we have very different definitions of action sure. movies, if you think Matchstick Men is an action film. But, like, he's in all these, but there's a difference because it's not a franchise, okay? Sure. Like, if you're Batman, and then you show up as, you know, Captain America... There's some words. I'm fine with it, but there's this weird cross pollination that you can't mm-hmm. have, especially if you're trying to establish your show, which is going to be considered a Game of Thrones ripoff, regardless of whether or not it is. Yeah, they're gonna have to fight that. Um, you have to combat that. So, I mean, I think that this is aggressive, but I don't necessarily disrespect the move that. All right, we want to distance ourselves so much that we're gonna actively not employ people that okay. were on Game of Thrones. So your point, I mean. I disagree. I do. I, I think if, if Charles Dance comes up to you and says, I want to roll in this, Mm-mm. I think he's a very, very good actor. I bet he could act like he's not Tywin Lannister. If you put him under a bunch of prosthetics and you're, he's under not makeup that, and just everything. Just like give him a different like, kind of character. I don't know. No, like he's, he's, too rec- he's too indistinguishable with Tywin Lannister. I'm going to see Tywin and I'm immediately dismissing a show I'm probably already dismissive of because <laughs> I, I think like it's going to be anyway. I go, well, I'm going to see now. I'm invested. I'm invested in seeing if it's going to prove me wrong. But okay. if you have Charles Dance in there I'm like, okay, I see exactly what you're doing. Even if you're not doing it, I'm going to call you on it and I'm on the internet and people of the internet are always right. So case in point. Even when they're, there you go. Even when they're horrifically wrong. Um, do any of you have opinions on this? I'd be curious to hear. Is any, any commenters uh, weighing in on whether that's justifiable to do for any show, The Witcher or otherwise? Um, James Cosmo has been in multiple medieval shows. Just adds to the quality of that, says Razor. True. So there's that. Um, Julie says it's stupid. Judge them for their work, yeah. not the shows that they've done. Julie's agree, on Julie. your side. Kenny likes The Rock shout out. There we go. Kenny knows movies. <laughs> Julie and I, we're very in tandem with her. Um, God forbid Bruce Willis do another action film. So I mean, it's been a while. But then, there, then you enter the arena of, are you wearing out your welcome within this genre? So if Charles Dance does another sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. show, is he then, if he is such an actor, is he then becoming typecast as, oh, if there's a, fan, if there's a Game of Thrones-esque show, mm-hmm. these people are going to show up for it. I think if you are cast as a good character and you can make it work uh, with your abilities, more power to you. But I'm glad we have a, a spirited debate. Miranda Richardson will be great in the prequel. She's a great character actress. She totally is. So, 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 so will um, Ms. Watts. I mean, Watts. Uh, it would draw more viewers if they hired more Game of Thrones actors. That's what, that's Kim- too. That's what I mean, Kimberly come on. says. It's like part of me is like... Look, you're, that's cheap, op- you're operating. So what? Make your money. Oh, you're operating no, in the shadow of Game of Thrones. Like it's it's there whether you want it to be or not. Just if an opportunity comes along, embrace it. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. That's that seems cheap to me. That's I'm all for cheap. Well, I guess. But if you want to distinguish yourself as not being a Game of Thrones ripoff, you're going to have to go to certain extents. Well, I'm looking forward to watching this now. We can have a debate about whether it I'm works. looking forward to watching this too. I'm <laughs> heavily invested in a show I'm already disliking, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe it would be over. Find out next week. All right. Is there anything when else? When does the show even come out? Um, Assuming year, it's even The Witcher, because it could be a completely different show. It's definitely The Witcher. There's but, no other way. Okay. It all lined up. When does that show even come out? It's the, a Netflix show, right? Yeah. It's okay. uh, later this year. Like, probably winter, fall. I'm already disliking it. I, like, I need definitive dates. Don't just float in the ether. Well, they're still making we'll it. We'll be on eventually. God. I don't know. They're they? making they're it. Apparently, they're not going to be able to hire anybody because everybody's working in Game of Thrones, and they're not going to hire people That's working in Game of Thrones. It's a huge talent pool. It is. That, huge psyched. talent pool. Look, The Witcher, more power to you. I'll watch it when it's on. So, we'll see. 
All right. I'm any ready. other topics? <laughs> is there anything else any of you want us to talk about before we switch it over, before we switch gears? No, but I mean, on the topic of like the... That's the commenters, John. You're talking to yourself. No, but sure. like on the topic of The Witcher, like, because this is something that I wanted to bring up. <laughs> okay, is, sure. Because, and we don't have to talk about this long, but is The Witcher, what is your post Game of Thrones show? Like... My post Game of Thrones yeah, show? Yeah, like when Game of Thrones comes along, I was having this conversation mm-hmm. with somebody the other day. Game of Thrones comes along and mm-hmm. we're in the middle of Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead is just starting and right. The Sopranos have just ended and Mad Men's a thing. And all of those shows end while Game of Thrones is on. So we have something to lean back on. Okay, we're like, oh, Breaking Bad's over. All right, well, I'm going to lean on Game of Thrones. Oh, man, Walking Dead's not good anymore. I'm going to lean on Game of Thrones. Okay. Game of Thrones is gone. Mm-hmm. What's the show we're leaning on? What is the show that has completely captured everybody's... At the moment? Is it going to be The Witcher? Like, I mean, what I'm looking forward to is there are all these contenders who want to be that show. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, at this point, no one knows if they will be, but there are a lot of people who are, you know, hungry. I mean, it's it's weird to say like Amazon and Netflix is hungry to be the next big thing, but they are. And um, I think that at least I think we're going to have a big explosion of shows for the next couple of years: Wheel of Time, Witcher, uh, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. I don't think they'll all stick. But I think probably one or two of them will stick. Uh, King Killer Chronicle, that's coming too. The Halo show. Can't forget about that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm looking forward to the battle, frankly. It's going to be a show that we're not seeing coming. Because nobody saw Breaking probably, Bad yeah. coming. Nobody saw, Game ooh, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle cooks meth and gets cancer. That's going to be a hit. I mean, folks like, didn't see that coming until like the final couple seasons of it. No, but everybody's, because when that ended, everybody's like, ooh, what's going to be the next anti-hero show? Who's the next yeah. Tony Soprano? Like, And then Game of Thrones is completely sweeping everybody away. So this idea that, oh, what's the next Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a sci-fi action show, it's a fantasy show. And shows are going out of their way to not cast actors from Game of Thrones. Because like, they know they're like Game of Thrones. Exactly. Well, I, two points, and we can move on to the next thing. Because Cassie completely in my corner says no with lots of o's she does not want to see game of thrones actors in a spinoff or a different show she's never going to be able to see them as anybody other than their characters fair enough which is fine if you're iconic enough in a role that's fine um but christian does point out christian hannah points out chris evans played johnny storm in the he original fantastic did. four and he is captain america now more iconically known as captain america yes because that Johnny Storm thing kind of blew it did but also i mean but he is distinguishable that's an example, though, where he Ryan was Ryan Reynolds franchise. played, like, three different superheroes. Well, Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds. He, Ryan Reynolds plays Ryan Reynolds. That too. Ryan Reynolds plays Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. Hollywood gave him so. so many chances to that man. He and it finally stuck. But it took Ryan a while. Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds voicing Pikachu. Like, we get it. Yeah. But anyways, that's... But that's right. my favor. I'm right. You're right. Chris everybody's Evans, yeah. right. So, but Chris Evans. Chris Evans is the trump card. That is, he played a very okay. famous and comic book sure character... Others is now more well-known for playing a separate, although they both existed within the Marvel Universe. So, Only the first was at Fox, wasn't it? Fantastic Four movie? No, whatever. They're both Marvel characters. Yes, the first one are. was garbage, though. You're right. Okay. <laughs> are we done? Oh, we're not even close, but we have to move on. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll be back after these uh, messages. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for more. There you go. <laughs> oh, Ned Stark. Will you ever learn? No, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at WinnerIsComing.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at Wick love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're going to keep doing all that stuff. However, for the especially hardcore among you, we're going to start offering even more. Welcome to the Wick Club. 
The Wick Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more Wick content. You can join at several levels. For $1 a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At $4, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Lie, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's $10 a month, you get Wick Club t-shirts and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones, fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not going to stop doing anything on Wick we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The Wick Club is a way to produce even more content, and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valor Morgulis, bottoms up, and thanks for watching. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we are now going to indulge in Song of Dan and Josh, the show yes. where myself, Dan Selke, who has read the books multiple times, the Song of Fire books, and Josh Hill, who has only ever seen the Game of Thrones show. But I've read the first book now. Now you've read the first book and like a third of the second book. Walk through every single chapter of George R. R. Martin's yet, uh, yet unfinished opus, breaking them down, what makes them work, what makes them not work, what makes them special. And today we are reading... Davos, the very first Davos Seaworth chapter yes. from A Clash of Kings. We are. Julie, hello. She says, is Josh joining us? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I've been with you all Julie, along. Julie, you cut up. <laughs> Julie's, Julie's a gas. I like her. Um, yeah, Davos. Okay. So first off, chapter ever. Um, a long one. We're going to have some yeah. long, because I, I think next is the first Theon chapter ever. And that's also that's quite right. a yeah, whopper. We haven't gotten to a Theon chapter yet, have we? No. This is the first Theon chapter next week. But this is Davos. Mm -hmm. So, how would you like being inside the uh, humble smuggler's head for the first time? I do like Davos. It was, it was very interesting. Because it's all of the things that are going on around him are mm -hmm. just so fantastical. And he seems like... Davos is like the everyman. He really way. is. So if, if there's an everyman in this story, it's Davos. It's and Davos. There's, there's all of these mystical things going on with uh, Melisandre. Is yeah, there, she is, and she's Stannis, burning. The, 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 we got the sword and all this kind of stuff. It's, I forget the name. It's a Lightbringer. 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 Yeah. The, the whole, the, the, I mean, basically, the, this chapter is pretty long, but there's only like kind of two scenes. It starts with Melisandre is burning these really, really, really old and valuable statues of the seven gods of Westeros mm -hmm. as a way of saying, out with the old gods and with my new freaky red fire god. Yeah. And, um, it, it, it's important to underline like how big of a move that is. This is like if, you know, some new government like took Michelangelo's David and the Mona Lisa and just like set them on fire and said, that's the old, I am the new. Like she's really mm -hmm. mean bold to the point where um, I think it says there were some of his knights who tried to stop her and kill her. And then her followers ended up killing them. So I love Melisandre. I think, you know why? Because she is a character who like makes the plot move mm -hmm. really fast and really strong. Yeah. Like when she's around, things happen. Mm -hmm. Like th this whole, everything Stannis is doing. Like the reason he's trying to, you know, take the throne and disrupt all these other characters' lives, Tyrion, Renly, Rob Stark, is because she's pushing him to do it. So she, she's, I, I, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure, that, I'm not even sure that she has a line in this chapter. But her, so. presence her presence is very, very strongly mm -hmm. felt. Yeah. 
that she's the reason kind of all of this craziness is happening. And I love that about her. I love that she moves stuff along. I do. Yeah. Amy says that uh, she needs to read the books after it's all finished. She has the books, but hasn't gotten around to reading them. Read them now. Read yeah, them with, read us, with Amy. us. Read them with us. Davos catch up. one. Trust me, we're going one chapter a week. You will catch up to us in no Easy. time. Easy. Just read two. You'll be there in a, in, a, in a little bit. Uh, yeah. No, Melisandre's. I like that she has a presence. Yeah. And it's this. We kind of set the tone of this with the first chapter where things are going to be a little different Definitely. and there's this weird mysticism going on in the background. Literally, she is kind of in the background here, totally. controlling, pulling the puppet strings to control everything that he's doing, which is fascinating to me because all, none of these characters have control. None of them do. Ned thought he had control and yeah, literally lost his that. head. So the idea that we're just autom that we're just cutting out that kind of analogy we're going to straight you know nobody's in control to this guy literally is not under a spell like he is under melisandre's bidding mm -hmm. that's I, I i find that fascinating this new little wrinkle is he under a spell stannis like why is he joining up with this weird red witch lady well the power is the spell like the, the lust for power like he is trying Ooh. to get to the throne like he's yes, robert's awesome. brother like we've got who's the guy that the edric that they keep mentioning um, Edric Storm. Yeah, Edric like, Storm. He, he's, he's not in the in the show. No. no, I was trying to figure out who that was because they were like Edric, Edric. Yeah, Edric. he's one of Robert's bastards. Not yeah. in the show. He he will play a part. They kind of shove. Gendry plays his part mm -hmm. on, on the show. They kind of put him in that role. Oh, okay. But, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, but no, this just this idea that. Stannis is just lusting after this power so much as this vacuum and he's going to by any means any means necessary get there it feels like everybody else is trying to get there through regular means of like mm -hmm. oh this is the traditional way of doing things which is the Ned Stark way of playing it by the book where Stannis is like get a little black magic going here yeah, and it works. I'm going to do what, what I need and I also I feel like he thinks that that gives him power that nobody else has he wants a card that's not in everybody else's deck everybody else has the armies and they have the political power they and they right, have yeah. all of this where he's like okay i need something else i need something to go over the top how about a red priestess i can red agree with you and yeah he puts it like this um this is stannis my stannis voice i know little i know little and care less of gods but the red priestess has power half my knights are afraid even to say her name did you know if she can do nothing else, a sorceress who can inspire such dread in grown men is not to be despised. A frightened man is a beaten man. And perhaps she can do more. I mean to find out. So I, I wouldn't say he's, he's not under a... He's not, he's not like without the power to resist. But yeah, he, he sees her use. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing about Sansa and Melisandre is how much of an odd couple they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my favorite moment in this chapter, kind of easily, is... So it all starts with Melisandre trying to do, like I said burning the statues, having Sandus pull this flaming sword out as part of a ritual. She wants to make him into this kind of like messianic prophesied figure. Mm -hmm. Azor Ahai is a big thing in, in uh, the mythology of the show. And you know, it's impressive, but Stannis just, he's not a pageantry guy. No. And my favorite bit is when he's pulling the flaming sword out it's like it's all green flames pulling around, and then his pants catch fire, and he has to like beat his pants to fire out, just completely undercutting the the yep. sanctimonious of the whole thing. It's great. I love it. Is, just is Melisandre like the Steve Bannon? Yes, like, she's absolutely to Stannis, the to Steve Bannon. Trump, where it's like this buffoon. I think you're underselling both of them. This buffoon who's lighting himself on fire, and she's like, "No, you idiot! Like this is how we're gonna do it. Like she's the brains of the operation." So. And the power. I like mean, she's, Stannis she's clearly is, driving is quite force. a bit 
I think, more capable than Trump. Oh, God. We should, why do we do this? It's a terrible oh, idea. I love it when we do this. We need to do um, this more often. I, 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 she's I, I the, think it undersells both of them. Yes, she's she is the brains. puppet master. Yes. yes, she's she's pulling the strings. She's powering the machine that Stannis is the face of. Because she's never going to get the throne. Ever. I mean, she doesn't want it. And, and that's another thing that's really cool about her, that her motives are kind of completely opaque. I mean, you know, you, you don't see her much in here. She's making these huge, bold moves. You know she must have some kind of enormous conviction, but you don't know exactly for what, which just makes her a very interesting character. So I love those two. I love uh, their kind of dynamic. Um, at the end of here, Stannis drafts a letter to the rest of the Lords of Westeros, kind of announcing his claim. I'm going to take the Iron Throne. Another great Stannis bit. Mm -hmm. um, the draft letter calls Robert my beloved brother. And he's like, take out beloved. I yeah. love him. <laughs> Just like, it's a courtesy. It's a lie. Take it out. Just like, that, that, that's just the kind of guy Stannis is. Hardcore. He's very by the book, do it the right way. That, that's just his thing. Um, right. and, he, and he makes them call Jamie Lannister sir, even though they don't want to do that. Just, mm -hmm. he's a knight. Call him sir. I don't like him, but call him sir, just because he'll always do it proper. That's Stannis. By the book. Kayla Stevenson says she loves Melisandre, feels that she is reading the Lord of Light signs right, but she's not. Edric Storm she's is Stannis' nephew who lives on Dragonstone uh, who was created on Stannis' wedding night. Yes. Another reason he hates his brother. Mm. Like Robert, uh, I think, slept in Stannis' wedding bed and birthed this bastard, noble lady. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> I mean, God, I guess if, if you're Robert Baratheon, you're just like, whatever, I'm drunk, let's do it. Yeah, I had a little He's married to Cersei at that time. Cersei's like downstairs at that wedding ceremony, yeah. having a drink, and his husband's up there. Oh, God, these people. A very low opinion of Robert Baratheon. He's, but... he's the worst. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of the three Baratheon brothers, it's, it's hard to say who's, who's the best one. They're none of them perfect. No. And finally, Davos, who, who, who I think kind of like plays the role you sometimes see in stories where it's, um, he's kind of the boring one meant mm -hmm. to set off these more larger than life figures. Yeah. Like you're going to see Melisandre through his eyes, you're going to see Sansa through his eyes. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of, you know, the, the one who's by design, not terribly exciting so they can stand out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he, he, has, he has plenty of personality though. Um, he has a class problem. So he's, Davos is born a commoner. He's not a lord. Sennis raised him up after cutting off his fingers. And uh, he talks about just his, uh, his struggles. The lord of the tides was of the blood of ancient Valyria, and his house had thrice provided brides for Targaryen princes. Davos Seaworth stank of fish and onions. It was the same with the other lordlings. Mm -hmm. He could trust none of them, nor would they ever include him in their private councils. They scorned his sons as well. But his plan is, okay, you don't like me. You don't like my sons. But after my sons marry your daughters and they have kids, my family is going to be noble sooner right. or later. Like, you can't stop that. Buckle up now. Get yeah. ready. It's happening. That's, that's his long-term plan. He wants, he knows he's never going to be respected, but he, he can raise his family and his descendants up a couple of notches on the ladder, mm -hmm. which is a, you know, a, a noble goal. It is. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard not to like him for that. And it explains why he's so loyal to Stannis. Yep. I mean, you know, if, if you think this, this guy is the one who's going to be able to give my family a future, like, that's a really powerful motivator. Yeah. Davos is, I mean, Davos is, like I said, he's an everyman. He's like a likable, you can insert yourself into his role more so than any of these other ones. Like, Ned's noble. 
or he's you know the king of the north and all that kind of like hand the king's hand and all this kind of stuff you know you've got john who is clearly on this like luke skywalker path right um everybody's royalty it seems you don't relate with any of the lannisters not even Tyrion, because Tyrion at yeah, the end I mean, of the day is a lot of unique problems he, yeah i mean but at the end of the day he's still you know coming from the rich really, family really, really from rich the burbs. yeah so. i think i think davos is the only point of view character certainly so far maybe in the entire thing who isn't born a noble, I think. I guess Melisandre, too, but she's... Mm-hmm. I mean, no one likes Melisandre. I like Melisandre. I love Julie Melisandre. Julie likes Melisandre, too. She says, who, wasn't, who wouldn't want to have a red priest? She's one of my team? favorites, but I mean, yeah. she's not terribly relatable. Oh, no, she's not relatable I think her thing is she's supposed to be, like, really distant. She's, like, the least relatable. Yeah, Magic Davos is... Magic is a thing. Like, exactly. that's her, and that's her thing. <laughs> but Davos is very, very close. You're right. He, yeah. he's, he, he's in that role. Um, I also think we should talk really quickly, lastly, about um, Azor Ahai... Mm. Which is, okay, not in the show, really. Okay. In the books, just to fill you in. So Davos um, talks to his friend Salvador San, who is on the show briefly. Okay. Like a pirate friend of his who's working for Stannis. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. him from yeah. the early seasons. He showed up a couple of times. Um, and he tells him about this ancient legend named Azor Ahai. A figure will pull Lightbringer, the flaming sword from yada yada, and uh, become mm-hmm. like, you know, a messiah of sorts. Yeah. Now, okay, I'm just going to tell you this. And people listening, you, 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 you know what I'm talking about. The fan community, they love to theorize about this. I don't know. And honest to God, it's only in like these two lines, a couple others, in very long, thick books. Yeah. But they go crazy. Like, they, all the theories are about, is John Azor Ahai? Is Daenerys Azor Ahai? I was going to say, that name has come up so many times because of fan theories. Totally. Like, He's going to show up in season and eight. Like, and and like, like this is it. Yeah. Like, this is where it's from. It's not on the show. It's like these two lines in this book, and this book is huge. It this is. series is huge. And it's the second of many books. Like Yes. I mean, it, it comes up once or twice more, but it's, I, I think the chatter about it is way out of proportion to like what is there in the text. <laughs> and I've always found it interesting. But um, I think the point of that conversation is to show that Stannis is not this messiah no because messiah is not going to beat the flames from the flaming sword out in his pants no it's not what messiah is going to do it's going to be classier about it will not which is um again very interesting because stannis the conflict is he's not a religious guy but he's being put in a religious position mm-hmm. and how's he going to grapple with that we'll see we'll find out any other comments or from you or our uh, dear viewers uh no dan says born amidst salt and smoke yep um, and also Amy says that challenge accepted to catching up. To All right, us. Amy. Tell her, tell her what chapter we're reading next so she can catch up. Next, we are reading Theon 1 from A Clash of Kings, the first thing chapter ever, which is pretty long, so buckle down, by the way. Oh, I'm ready. Before we go, one really quick thing, uh, vocabulary for the week. You <laughs> yes. know we got to do that. Vocabulary. Um, Vocab. And this is a word you can actually use in everyday life because it's, it's like it's not a medieval specific word. Hit me. Uh, conflagration. Ooh. Do you know what that was? Definitely not. not using that in everyday conversation. No, it's, but you could. It's, conflagration. It, it, it's, it's not like about armor or anything stupid doesn't exist anymore. Conflagration. Conflagration. An extensive fire which destroys a great deal of land or property. It's a big old fire. A conflagration. What a good synonym. It is very good. It's one that, again, not going to say it because it's too hard to say. And not going to say it because I'm not actively in situations where I'm describing large patches of fire. Like, I, I get it, but I think it's more likely to say that than like, I don't There's know, like gems. trebuchet. Yeah. Like you're not, you're never going to encounter a trebuchet in your life's no. museum. <laughs> you might encounter a fire. Mm, maybe. <laughs> 
But I'm not, if I encounter a fire, I'm not going to be thinking of that word. I'm going to be thinking sure. of multiple other things. It is, it is one of the most relatable words that we've come across. Okay. Because we've come across some doozies, and this is not among them. Perfect. One of my favorite ones. All right. Well, that's our show, guys. <laughs> uh, thanks for watching. We'll be back next Wednesday at 4 uh, p.m. Interesting of time. We'll talk more Game of Thrones, more Song of Ice and Fire, more genre fiction, and more Song of Dan and Josh. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Bye.